you almost have to guard against getting too excited and, or too down. Like if you hit like amazing shot, there can't be this like come on, celebrate forever because you could like, like lose Yeah, you could. Yeah, exactly. You could do and that. And then you lose the next five points. Lose, yeah, <laughs> in totally. like two seconds, the, the time where you're cheering, come on, you play five more points and you're down two, and you're like depressed. Welcome to Shankcast episode number 17. Today we'll be talking about how to win tiebreakers. I feel like this topic comes up all the time. Just win all the points. Just win, yeah. Just don't get to tiebreaker in the first place. Tip number one. Tip number one. <laughs> but no, seriously, <laughs> it's a really common question that we receive all over the place on social media, on YouTube. And we have content on it, by the way, on YouTube. I know we do. Yeah, we just couple, made that couple. video about the important things to focus on. Yeah. So we'll be going over some of those themes today, but in more of a, a Shankcast type of context. Banter. Yeah. More, more banter related. So Kevin, Megan, myself, we've been around the game our entire lives. Coaching has been our career. So we have a lot of thoughts, definitely on tiebreakers, what to avoid, what to focus on, what not to focus on. Before we get to uh, the question from today, I just want to say congratulations to anybody listening to the sound of my voice that just had your rating bumped up. Congratulations. Yeah, Lots of awesome hard work. Good job. Yeah. And to those of you who didn't, keep fighting because sometimes yeah. the system is craziness. So <laughs> That's for sure. The don't, system. Don't, I always say like, be excited when you get bumped up, but if you don't, like, don't give up. Just keep fighting because it will happen eventually for sure. Yeah. We got all kinds of messages yesterday yeah. from people that got bumped yeah. up. I got so, a few people that were sad too. Uh, that they didn't yeah. get bumped up. Mm-hmm. That's. We should have an episode on that on ratings in general. as <laughs> a good topic. All right. So today's topic comes to us from Sammy, who wrote and said, "All of my singles matches in A-L-L. all caps have gone to numerous game and match tiebreakers." Haven't won one match yet at the 3.0 level. Need to know how to convert the losses into wins. So let's go around the table really quick. Should I start off? Sure. Yeah, you haven't started off in a while. I feel like I was just thinking about this on my walk back to the office. I think for me, I'll just kick it off with like what I think is probably the biggest mistake or mental kind of mindset pitfall that players fall into and that's making one of two extreme errors in how they approach the tiebreaker situation tactically and that is either on one far end of the spectrum they take their foot way off the gas and they say oh holy crap i can't lose now like i've done all this work to get to this point in the match i don't want to blow it and so they end up being super tentative and careful and scared and they just open up the door to their opponent to do whatever they want in the breaker Or, number two, on the far opposite end of the spectrum, they're like, holy crap, I don't want to lose. I'd better start hitting winners. Hit them winners. (laughs) And so they assume that the only way to win like a tiebreaker is to hit sports center, highlight, like hit the line like over and over again because I got to close it out and be like the hero and they end end up shooting themselves in the foot. So I'll just kind of open it up with that and, and... pass around the horn. I feel like the majority of players fall into one of those two categories. They either get super tight and tentative or they go into winner mode and both ways of losing are which which crappy. one are, do you lean towards? Winner mode. <laughs> winner mode. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I actually ironically enough lean completely towards really? the other oh, side. Wow. I wouldn't yeah. guess that. Way under pressure, I get super tight. 
Kevin's coached me in a singles environment. Uh, like when, when the higher the pressure gets, the more I'm like, oh, I got, I got to pull the trigger right now. And and so I hardly ever went to tiebreakers at, in college because it was either I won really fast or I lost really fast <laughs> in uh, in singles. Yeah, How about you guys? So, so you go to tentative I go mode? to, That's yeah, like, I am just, I will still make dumb errors and go down the line when I'm not supposed to, but I will, like, be more in the push mode than huh. in the hit winners Wouldn't mode. I guess that. How about I'm you? probably How about more you? winner mode, but I think just, and this will be the thing I talk about, I think it's really managing your personality and knowing a lot about yourself um, because early on, I think juniors, I was totally like, okay, let's go. Let's like, you got to take it to them. You got to step up. Um, and then really assessing, like knowing that about myself and kind of like really putting some parameters around. Okay. Like no, it's no, like mis- you go into macho mode. Yeah. It's like, all right, no, okay. let's see who has the bigger Roll guns up. here. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, definitely now I think it's more so of like, it's like, I found a balance. It's like parameters around when to go for stuff or I have like little safeguards about certain shots. Mm-hmm. So What do you mean? Like what? Um, so like I used to get like maybe a short ball that's maybe like maybe a couple feet inside the baseline and my mind was like, oh yeah, oh yeah, let's, okay, okay, it's, it's, it's <laughs> over. Time, it's winter time, baby. It's <laughs> and so like my safeguard is to go hit a really good approach. So I'm not going for a winner and follow, like my, my mindset is to hit approach and follow that to net hit a very good short ball and follow it instead of hitting a winner. And my other mindset is um, instead of trying to win points from the baseline, win it with an easy volley. So like whenever I used to get those short balls, like, okay, yeah, oh, we're going to hit that. And then um, <laughs> now it's... Um, it's like 100% what goes through it. <laughs> you're getting a little piece of the inner dialogue. It's like what goes on, the, the, the fight. Um, but yeah, I have all these things about like, okay make the opponent win points without pushing. Cause I think that was uh, uh, another thing that like you kind of need to get really tight and you're like, okay, I'm not going to make a mistake, but it's like really about, I'm totally okay. Losing a tie break when like we've played a couple times and like, you'll play a really good shot. And I'm like, okay, I'm totally okay now with you really, really good shots and losing points. And I've, why is it so hard as a tennis it's player? It's so to just, hard to be like to just good be job. okay with your yeah. opponent hitting an incredible no, shot. It's why, so hard. Why is it so, so hard. I think it's again personality. Because you feel like you're in control. You feel like you should be able to control what happens. Totally. Yeah. Totally. And there's so many times in tennis where you can't control what happens, yeah. and that's the part no, that doesn't happen. You so, feel like you must have gotten screwed yeah, somehow. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, you're like, I did everything I, yeah. right, and I still yeah. lost the point. I think that's one of the biggest things. It's like realizing that you don't have control over everything. And I think when you realize that there's some comfort in knowing that, you know, still working on that, (laughs) you're not going to, your, your opponent's going to hit good shots. And I think for me, the other safeguard is like, if this person can hit like seven amazing shots, I'm okay with that. I can walk away from the court going, they hit seven amazing shots, but there's so few people that hit seven yeah. amazing shots. At just about it's any just, level. Yeah, at any level. So it's like, you know, you're going to get, you're going to get an opportunity. I have like this thing. It's like, you at least get generally, I would say two opportunities. Um, at a very high level, sometimes you get one, but generally you get two solid opportunities. In a tie if, break? I think in a tie break, a lot of times. I think usually 
early on you'll get an opportunity and then generally I think unless the player is just like really really mentally tough right before they have an opportunity to win it yeah. they get a little tight and you have There's a little, little window blip. Yeah. yeah and you have a little window that you can slide in and if you do the right thing it can flip the entire tiebreaker doesn't mean you win it but doesn't at least mean like you, you're right there but yeah it really puts you in a good position and you yeah I think when you start feeling the momentum of certain matches, like especially early, if let's say you 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 lose like the first three points, that fourth point, you better you better make sure they have to win it, but you don't give an easy shot away. Uh, and if you can win that one point and then make a lot of like have some like struggle back and forth, that creates another window. And if they get up, there's just you, I think with experience you learn to feel these moments of like. Yeah, I got to do something here, or if, or if not, it's over. And you kind of even feel that one. It's like, ah, oh, I I blew that one. <laughs> you keep fighting, but it's like you just feel it. It's just like ah, oh, he's it's over. I go into like I used to call it simple tennis, which is just like playing geometry, like the absolute simplest form of tennis that is possible. When I which is so ironic really? because yeah. it's not my yeah but only, under only under tiebreakers? no just like when I really am like under pressure I'm like okay just hit the ball cross court and just makes it like my brain no goes in so I've never seen it before well it's we've because we don't we've never played <laughs> yeah but you I mean seen her hit with like yeah but and not and, like. We, Megan's good at crafting lessons where <laughs> she's I not either being in that, she's, or she's not I'm in that position. To lose. Yeah. yeah, I um like when I'm in that like super pressure situation, I go into like okay, not making errors, I'm going to play like the geometry of tennis. I'm going to make sure that I'm hitting the shots that are the highest percentage and if my opponent beats me, then they beat me, but because I think because my game style is so error heavy. <laughs> um, you mean winner heavy? Yeah, that's what I meant. That's what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> AKA winner heavy. Um, that in pressure situations, I feel like I have to go to the other extreme because mm-hmm. if not, then I'll just make a bunch of errors and it all goes downhill really fast. I think that's, but really I think that's what I've learned over time. Like yeah. when I was younger, I would just. Keep hitting the lines and either I say, I'd hit the line or. Is there something really attractive about the idea of, oh, yeah, sure. sure, maybe you might shoot yourself in the foot, but I got an opportunity now to hit seven winners in a row oh, for and sure. try to come away with just as a like, player with your mentality, you know? Yeah, but I'm one of those people where I, <laughs> I think I'm a little pessimistic. So when I get up and I'm like, oh, I'm up nine, six, I could just totally lose four points. Like, <laughs> like I can't, I can't think about that, like, side of things I really have to focus in on okay what's working and what's not and how do I play the most within my control and like if I don't focus on anything else other than that like if I start like thinking like hmm I can hit this like big and oh then things just so you tend to go back and forth basically from one extreme to the other yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think for one sure. crucial skill that I, maybe we're all kind of talking about in some sense when is learning to compartmentalize like points. Like I think a lot of people yeah. early on, like you can play a tie break and you might start off, maybe the person starts off really hot and they first four points and some people mentally they're like, oh, it's over. I'm, I'm done. And then, but if you can kind of like 
take each point and compartmentalize that and go, okay, those are those four points. Now I'm going to play this one. And then you maybe win that one. And then like, okay, that's over. I'm going to play this one. And for me, that's like either tricking myself sometimes by just focusing on one point at a time or focusing on like, I would always, one other trick I used to do is always pretend I was down because for me, when I'm down, I can't think about the future. Like if I was up, let's say, Five two. I feel like that's the most dangerous time for me and most players because a set you, or in a tie break. Uh, both. Yeah, I think they're both the same for me in the sense that you start seeing the end of it and you're like, oh, I yeah. just gotta cruise home, just ride it's in the bag, baby. Yeah, baby. <laughs> I think I did that so often when I was younger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, like I, that was probably my biggest demise. Like when I was younger, was looking ahead, and I remember. And this is maybe why I go to the other side because mm. my coaches really were ingrained like in me. Stop thinking that you're gonna win. You haven't won yet. Like you have to, because I would be like, Haha, "I got this," and then I would lose. <laughs> yeah, and that's why I would. A lot of times, I would play the match, and I would literally walk up the line. I call the score out. Like even if I was up in a tiebreaker of like five two, and I whisper to myself or say to myself, "I'm like." dude, you're down five, two right now. Like you gotta like, you gotta focus on this point right here. Or like, I just, I create this whole world around like, oh my God, if you lose this point, that's going to be the match. And, but what it was really doing is making me focus just on this point because you just, when you're down, at least for me, you just don't think, you don't think about winning a match when you're down five, two. You're not like, oh yeah. I'm down 5-2. I'm about to win this. You you focus on like, I got to stay alive, which means I got to win this point. And so that was a really, um, like really important trick for me until I started really learning just to stay like one point. And I started realizing that was the key for me. It's like, I just have to play one point at a time, one point at a time, one point. And even when you maybe play a really good point, I think that's another kind of mental thing in a tiebreak because you get so little time and the momentum change and the weight of the points can feel can really swing really quick. You almost have to guard against getting too excited or too down. Like if you hit like amazing shot, there can't be this like come on, celebrate forever because you could like, like lose two, zero. Yeah, you could. Yeah, exactly. You could do that. And then you lose the next five and points. Lose, yeah, yeah, in totally. like two seconds, the, the time while you're cheering, come on, you play five more points and you're down two, and then you're like depressed. And it's like you almost have to take your 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 thumb off the pulse of the match a little bit of the, the excitement and emotional level and just be kind of like, like as neutral as possible because, and really focus on what you want to do. Because I think mentally, if you check out for a little bit in a tie break, it's done. I mean, it's completely done. So I think really refocusing and refocusing yourself to the present point is so crucial on the mental uh, standpoint. Yeah, I do think also that there's a distinction for a lot of people between set tie breaks and match tie breaks because there's this idea, or at least among many of the um, just players that I've coached, um, there's this idea that whoever wins the second set is going to like has the momentum to win the tie break. And it's a hundred percent not true, but I hear it a lot from students where they're like, but I just lost the second set and obviously I don't figure out what's working. And, and I'm like, but you did in the first set. So go back to what was working, you know? And so I think, um, that's sometimes the mentality where a set tie break, 
a lot of people, it's not like whoever won the last game, you know what I mean? You don't have the whole momentum thing, but it is tough. Like if you win the first set and then you lose the second set dramatically, it's hard to change your mental mindset, go into the tie break and be like, I just lost one six, but I'm going to win this tie break. Like you, you know, I don't know. I think it's really, again, I think it comes back to personality because, and it comes back to situation. I, I won't say it's like a blanket because sometimes you could play, you could play a really solid first set and then the person just comes out on fire and then you don't play as well and you're like, okay. Or they just, like something just doesn't click and same thing with a a tie break. You could have a couple, like one or two games where it's just like one or two little errors in the wrong place and it completely shifts that compared to you just getting like crushed in the second set and you're like, oh God, this person really stepped up their game. Uh, Either way, I don't know. I think whenever you win the set, at least in my mind a lot of like people I've talked to and coached it's like there's a sense of accomplishment there's a sense of like I did it whether you win the first or the second and I think that for me I guess is the most dangerous point because when you have this generally when you feel like you've won something like most people think oh oh I won the set it's over or I won the second set oh you know I'm, I'm gonna come back and so I think that's the danger point um, because they they feel like, oh, I've accomplished something. I've got something in my back pocket. When the, like either way, this, this, it's not over. I think that's why like guys like Nadal are so amazing that like they can lose a set six one, and literally they've created such a competitor's atmosphere that the other person's like, oh shoot, I can't I can't let off the gas. But most players don't create that situation. And I think that's where you have to be on guard when you win a set. Like if I win a set. I again I pretend like I lose it because I want to come out the next set like hungry because I feel like a lot of times if you you win a first set you're kind of like oh yeah I got it and the other person's like oh god I just lost that first set oh my god what do I got to do what do I got to do I got I got like the first three games they're like they're they're clawing to get back in the match and if you have that little letdown that just opens the window and the momentum changes same thing with the second set like so many times I've coached people and then they win the second set and I'm like dude forget about it because the other person's like sitting over there ticked and they're f- trying to figure out what to do to beat you. And you're thinking like, oh, yeah, dude, I just won that second set. And I think it's so tough now compared to maybe when we were juniors because you played the full third. And the full third, I think, allows for the kind of the better player with make the better tactics to come out ahead. Whereas if you slip up with a mental trip or maybe you weren't the better player, but you figure out a way to kind of craft your way and hack your way through the second there's it's the, the tie breaks a flip of the coin i mean literally can like if you have a good serving day or a good serving for four points and the person makes one mistake and they play two good points that's that's like a hole you got to dig yourself out of yeah i feel like the tiebreaker is kind of a giant reset button where it's yeah. like what happened over the previous hour or two hours really doesn't make any difference for the next like three minutes are gonna a hundred percent determine like the outcome of the that match. is the worst pressure it's, ever yeah. truthfully. i think that's why people freak out and they go really fast to one like extreme or the other because they understand the gravity of the next like couple seconds or minutes are going to determine the out- no matter how hard they fought to get to that point it's like that all goes out the window and you have to totally start over in a, in a sense and so um you were talking about the whole like short memory thing I think that's so like it's important in tennis in general because like point by point by point, like there's big ups and downs, there's big swings and uh, energy and, and uh, emotion, 
And uh, if you get caught up in that, then it's easy to get carried away. But in a tiebreaker format where it's literally three or four minutes, potentially, um, yeah, you lose sight of like what's going on for a couple seconds and, and that's kind of the end of it, which sucks. Yeah. I think the toughest, thinking about what you're saying, the toughest situation would be the second set tiebreak because there's so much pressure on the second set tiebreak in the sense that like yeah. if you the person that won the first set you definitely don't want to have to turn around after losing a tiebreak and play another. It's kind of like this mirror situation. Like you're playing all these points and maybe they did something that is more advantageous to their game style that like with the shorter points. Um, and then if you win the the second set, it's like, Ooh, sweet. I just, I just gotta like squeak it through for another couple. Now. Yeah. It's yeah. like, I can squeak <laughs> it through. I don't have to like, like let's say play a full third, I can kind of like ride this momentum potentially and like really stick it to him because I just won this. So I think yeah, that second set tiebreaker is a really pressure situation to come out of playing a tiebreaker, then to going playing a super tiebreaker and managing those emotions through that. That's um, it's tricky. I think the tiebreaker <clears throat> does give advantage to people who handle pressure better. And the third Definitely. set. Definitely, like, I mean, when you play a third set, it's an advantage to someone who can really physically do it and, you know, that kind of thing and get through a full third. But a tie break is, like you said, it's kind of, it's a flip of the coin and it, one or two points can make the match, literally. And so, and there's so many variables. I mean, how many times have you played a tie break and there's a let or there's a, you know, I mean, I can't, I'll never forget when I was coaching this girl and, Thank goodness it was to our advantage. She had two lets for the last two points of, I mean, two where they just barely dribbled over. And it was like, what do you, I mean, you know, she was like, I can't yell, come on when I win. Like, you know, I just won by two let points, but it's, it is what it is, you know, and there's so many things you can't control. And so once you, you have to go into that tie break and the mental mindset of like, just control the things you can. And, uh, you know, and uh, it's just, it's just, so that was a good conversation around kind of the mental or the mindset side of things. Let's let's switch gears and go back to Megan. Several times you used the phrase percentage tennis or based on the geometry mm-hmm. of the court, et cetera, et cetera. I'd love to go around really quickly and define like really specifically for our listeners, like what tactics uh, should we be avoiding and what tactics should we be working hard to stick to both for singles and also for doubles just to give people some super practical uh, thoughts on what they should be doing out there. I, so my when you say very high percentage, what, is, what does that mean, mean for you? And I assume you were talking about singles. I was talking about Let's singles. Start with singles. Yeah. So for singles, like my biggest thing that I have, I don't rush into the net a lot. So uh, my biggest thing that I have to always keep in mind is go cross court unless you have a really great reason to go down the line. Because I have a tendency to pull the trigger really early. And so I try to err on the opposite side. And unless my opponent is hitting the side, of the curtain or on the other court, I try to keep going cross falling court. Over yeah, exactly. Yes, yeah, exactly. Uh, that video is coming out soon. Um, <laughs> I'm really pumped about that video. Yeah, I know it's going to be fun because it's like a cross section. Sorry, it's like cross section of like the funny, like entertainment, but there's also like value, you know, to like and not um, 
Not necessarily educational. It's kind of educational. It is educational. So just to fill you all in, we did a rules video (laughs) yesterday. And so we did some of the top weird rules of tennis. And you guys are going to get to choose which out of the ones that we did is not actually a rule of tennis. Mm. And so I'll be super interested to see. Yeah. Who can get that right? Um, but anyways, yeah, so I think court. that's my that's my biggest like go to is don't pull the trigger mm. because I really, really, really love that down the line shot, and I very, very often miss it. <laughs> so that's my go to. And Kevin, you're talking about kind of pulling in the margins as far not necessarily like target, but how aggressive or offensively minded you are. Yeah, I think with my game style and hitting a lot more spin, I, I definitely hit heavier in probably tie breaks because I want to still be able to accelerate. Meaning more topspin. More topspin, yeah. Um, I definitely think my overarching thing is high percentage. But with the caveat that I'm trying to really focus on doing the plays that want me the most points consistently throughout the previous two sets. And so for me, a lot of times, I'm looking at a lot of serve plus ones. I'll probably work way harder to run around and hit a forehand. Like, like it's almost weird Like in the sense like if I'm playing the normal kind of set and I feel like my forehand inside outs have been really successful, I will work a lot harder with my footwork to get myself – to cheat over more or run around more balls because I just know I can take control and dictate and at least force the person to come up with a great shot. Um, and that's kind of my mindset. Oh, sorry, I guess we're not mindset, but that's my, my, my tactical goal is that I don't want to have to hit winners. I want to hit as many of my best shots to either their weakness or just like completely use my best shots as much as possible. To without force, risking a lot. Without risking a lot. So it's like for me, it's like, I'll fall generally if their backhand's a little bit weaker, even if it's neutral, but my forehand's better. I'm going to serve probably on the ad side out wide, run around, and completely just keep working forehands inside out until I get the ball I'm looking for and then run them if I need to. But generally, I'm looking to set up plays as much as possible and be super strategic about how I'm using my best shots. Because, yeah, I could, like for Megan say, if I have to rally backhand cross court, that's fine, but I just know my backhand, not that it's bad, it just doesn't have the same sting as, let's say, if I could run around and hit a forehand. So it's like i rather take a little bit more of that risk of maybe putting myself out of position and hitting a higher quality shot and having them have to do something against that higher quality shot than maybe getting into a, just like a consistency war where I know from my personality, I can be consistent, but there's a certain level of aggression that I like to play with and that I want to see if I can find that balance. Cool. What about you? I'll just add one one thing that, that's a really good uh, overview or, or starting point for sure. Um, lots of good stuff in there. One other thing that I'll just kind of point out, and this this kind of definitely is is uh, true for singles and for doubles. In general, the serve and the return are super mm-hmm. important mm-hmm. in tennis. Yeah. But if you're gonna <laughs> double fault or like hit a second serve return like into the bottom of the net. Just don't do it in a tiebreaker because it's like uh, any free points are like gold in in tiebreaker environment. Like every point is incredibly valuable. So I feel like picking on purpose, uh, both Kevin and Megan were talking about, you know, targets and selecting safe targets on purpose. 
with the serve with the return, I feel like there needs to be like an uber premium on those two shots. Because if you can't just get into the point <laughs> to use those patterns, then you know, obviously, it doesn't matter anyway. Yeah. Kind of, it's an obvious statement, but I just feel like in general, serves and returns are are you know the most important shots in tennis. I feel like in a tiebreaker, there's like a, a mega premium. I would say I, honestly for like serves in a tiebreaker, singles and doubles, I tend to pull off the gas a little bit and really start focusing on accuracy. I hardly ever... When you say pull off the gas, you mean swing speed or target or shape? Uh, that's or, a good point in saying. I'm not going for first serve. I'll probably go for an 70, 80 percent serve with a lot more spin and focus on because i the other the side so you're of it, still using most of your effort i'm using most of my effort so i shouldn't say pull off the gas but I, for me it's and i feel like oh i'm not going for the full out like first serve because um, i much rather not have to deal with the pressure of hitting a second serve in a tie break yeah and much rather put on the pressure of like okay i'm gonna get a higher percentage of first serves and especially in doubles definitely <laughs> um uh so i don't have to deal with like getting tight or having to like worry about a second serve. So I definitely, in those situations, I want to up the percentage a little bit more. And so I do go for a lot more accuracy, a lot more placement, um, a lot more like, okay, I need to get the first serve in because at least they don't know if I'm going to bomb it or not. So they're still on defense on a first serve on a second serve. Everybody's like, okay, this is a tie break second serve. Is he going to get tight or is yeah. she going to get tight? Oh, you know, maybe I'll try to put a little bit more pressure on and, and, and totally. Yeah. If I, that's where if, if they're behind the eight ball score wise oh, yeah. and they're looking for that little bit of like daylight, like opening, that's when they have their green light. And it's yeah. like, all right, this is my opportunity. Yeah. I do feel like a lot of people think about the serve, but you, they don't necessarily think about the return. They're like, Oh, if you hit it, you know, you're not supposed to make the return. Like if they yeah. hit a good serve, it's no big deal. No, like, Missing in return should be the same thought process as double faulting, totally in agree. my opinion. Like, do whatever you can, block it back, do whatever needs to be done to make the return. Because if you're giving up every two points in the tiebreak, that means the pressure is even greater for you to always yeah. hold serve. And that's incredibly difficult. Um, and so if you can at least always realize, okay, I'm not going to miss a return and then know like, okay, now I'm in control with my serve and I can just spin it in, then you're giving yourself a really, really high opportunity to win more points. Yeah. I think it's also underrated. I think you brought up a really good point where you say make the return is kind of the same thing as double faulting that a lot of players don't take into account that even if you make a bad return where someone has to finish the point off, that creates pressure. I don't know how many times where I've hung out in tie breaks and maybe we're going back and forth and I couldn't just kind of figure it out on the return, but I'm making them constantly either hit a short ball put away or come in and they just get a little tight and they miss one and you're like, wow, that really wasn't a great return. And I think sometimes put, people put so much premium on, like, I have to hit a solid return. It has to go, like, three feet inside the baseline. And they actually make mistakes trying to hit this, like, premium return instead of realizing that you're generally in a defensive position. And if you can just get the ball back at any cost, there's this undercurrent of pressure that everybody feels in a tiebreak that you have to finish the point. And so... Sports center. Yeah, you have to finish the <laughs> yeah. point. And so... Even when they're winning the shot, there's this thing like they're walking up to the ball that you're returning going like, God, don't make a mistake here. Don't make a this mistake. Is it. This is it. Like yeah. I, I got him. And so if you can 
just hang in there. I don't know how many times good things happen when you just dig out a, a, a tough serve, even if it's a short ball put away, where that could be it. That's the moment where you get the ball back, they miss the easy put away, and like everything just flips. I'll use that to kind of bridge the gap with doubles. I think that mentality of just make sure they have to hit the put-away shot yeah. is so difficult in doubles, in particular when you're playing a level or a style where everybody's aggressive and like people are trying to close in and like finish out the point. It, it feels so counterintuitive to just be like, all right, just got to let them like put the ball away. But there are times where you're under pressure and trying to come up with the fantastic like one out of a hundred like winner in the long run is just always going to end up poorly. So I think that mindset, yeah, it's hard anyway. But I, th- I feel like in doubles, it's doubly, doubly, nice. You do that. On it's purpose. quadruple hard because there's four players. I, I feel another, like in doubles, like uh, so many people get tentative too because there's two of you and so you're like well hopefully my partner will be able to put this away and or and you don't you don't want to let them down too right and so there's like the extra pressure of not only winning but actually not like losing because then you're letting your partner down and blah 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 and so I think you have to like in doubles I think it's really important to stay aggressive actually yeah and um and then go for big targets. Like that's the safe way. In singles, you can like hang out at the baseline and hit cross courts and you can like keep it on kind of hit a high ball and relax a little right, bit. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. In doubles, you can't, you know, like you have yeah. to continue to be aggressive. And doubles is all about time. So taking away time is the key. And if you're just chilling at the baseline and your opponents are taking away time, you're not going to be the one that's going to end up winning more points in most cases. It's Um, a tricky tight rope walking. Like, yeah, you don't want to shoot yourself in the foot, but you also don't want to just be like, here you go, here you go, here you go. Like point after point. And I think that's where the big targets come into play. Like instead of really going like for the alleys or even the singles line, like even if you just hit the T Every single time, I always used to say, like, in a doubles tie break, especially at the 3035 level, if you can just aim every ball at the tee and not even think about anything else, just aim every ball at the tee, your percentage of making the ball is going to be higher. And it's all about making one more ball. All you got to do is make one more ball than your opponent did. And so that's kind of always the mentality I used to teach in doubles was just, just aim for the tee. You're not aiming for the baselines. You're not aiming for the alleys. You're not aiming for anywhere else. Just aim for the tee. I feel like doubles, because yeah, we've been, I at least have been looking at singles, but doubles definitely, there's a premium for, like you were saying, being aggressive. And I think when you're sometimes a lower level, it's really hard to step up and be that person at net that like is like going to poach and move. Yeah. But I think if you can really be aggressive especially it's like in that moment where you see the ball crossing in the middle like, you see oh. both outcomes it's like walking to the car as the champion or as the big loser it's like uh, uh, but being aggressive I, does not mean like swinging at balls like trying to just you know like go all that's out that's most people's default though. Yeah. right like and it means like closer to the line and harder right yeah that, <laughs> and I think that's why I used to tell people to err on the extra safety side is because in case you do swing a little bit or in case you do yeah. you know 
go a little too big, you're at least aiming in the middle of the court. And at least when I think of a, being aggressive, that I think if you're like a three zero, three five, like Megan saying not swing. I think of when I'm aggressive, especially in doubles, it's about aggressive movement. It's like yeah. I am hyper focused on getting to the ball, moving forward, cutting off targets, and you don't have to swing as big if you're aggressively moving. Um, I think especially you see it as you go up in level where the aggression comes down to who's going to – it's a race to get to the net. Like you do not want to be the the person like even like at a high level where – like if Ian's serving with a partner and coming in the net and I'm returning, I'm like, oh God, I got to keep the ball low and I got to look for an opportunity to get in because it's just the the points go so quick because the teams start to realize the um, the advantage of when the ball's high and moving forward. And I think if you can do that when you're at the 3 level, I think especially in doubles, it's so ironic that it always, or a lot of times it seems like there's just one person that just steps up and dominates like yeah. the court. And it's that one person who's more aggressive. Especially like 3 three five. Yeah. And it's you're like, like the other oh. three players are just like, like oh. And it's yeah. like that player's like, just like, and you're like, <laughs> totally. oh, that player just took the whole match. And it's that, generally it's that player who's moving forward, who's going after the ball. And yeah, they make a couple mistakes, but they set that tone, which creates more pressure because you have more people on the court. And, I, I just, I can't say it enough that if you can learn to move faster without having to swing more, especially at a lower level, you become that person where everybody's like, I want to play with them. Because when it gets down to it, they're going to be aggressive. I do feel like in doubles, I have to, and this is just maybe me personally, but I have to always think that the ball is coming back. Like in singles, I feel like you can kind of judge more when the ball is coming back. But in doubles, there's so many just... Variables. random gets and random off the shank like i don't know it's just partner switches right and like, right yeah. and so you although you are being aggressive i think some people fall into the category of being so aggressive that they're just like oh okay go after the ball and then it shouldn't come back but always assume that the ball's coming yeah. back and then you're going to be ready and more apt to be able to actually have the ball to be able to put away one of you, I don't remember who briefly made the point. I just want to reiterate it really quickly that while serves and returns are always important in general, and there's maybe a premium in tiebreakers, I think there's a mega premium in doubles of the first serve is huge in doubles and the return of serve is like much better to spin in like a first serve than be under the gun on the second serve. And then on the returner side, as painful as it is to say it, like it's much better to give the net player a chance of getting the ball and just make sure that you put it in play than it is to try to smash it down the alley. Totally. Every <laughs> single time too. Like I can't tell you how many matches I coached and watched where in the tie break, all of a sudden in doubles, people feel like they need to go down yeah. the line just on the boom, return boom, boom, just boom. all the time. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, what totally. are you doing? You know? And then they're it's like, coach, right. and then they're like, I don't understand. Why am I losing the points? And I'm yeah. like, just keep the ball across court. Now, if you do have someone who's poaching, like, and standing like you're playing Kevin and he's standing in the middle of the court, like poaching, then change it up. But, but even then, yeah, that's, tar- that's target, the thing. though. You, right. even, even then. But I mean, there is no reason to, ch- to hit the ball down the line in most cases in three zero to three, five doubles in a tie break because most people are not overly like, yeah. I'm going to go after. They don't want to be the one that right. blows. There so are good. exceptions. 
But I'm just saying, in general, yeah. it'd be great if one of you listening is that exception, a hundred percent. Be the exception, boys and yeah. girls. But in most cases, if you can just get the return back cross court, you're going to give yourself the opportunity. This is why I love hearing Megan say this. If you were listening to this right now, <laughs> and this the is this, this is my like go to thing, uh, especially early in a match, is poach big on the first couple points because everybody's nervous everybody's thinking high percentage ball down the middle or ball cross court and just take advantage of it the i think advantage of doing that tactic especially early is like hey even if you do miss it you ha- you've done it in a, in a in the time where you have a lot more leeway to catch back up and when you do it and, and you do it successfully it creates a ton of pressure on your opponents to go like Oh God, do I need to go down the line? And then they start second guessing themselves. And you can really, a lot of times, kind of ramp up a lead if you poach really early the, and you do add in a couple fakes where they're constantly thinking like you and they're, they're not even aware of the situation. It's just like this flash of like he's or she's everywhere. They're just moving and it's like, what do I do? Go down the line. And the just errors just roll out. So just like Megan saying, be the exception also in the sense that because you're starting a tiebreak and everybody's thinking high percentage plan to take advantage of that by by a lot of times i'll cheat and poach maybe a little bit not too early but poach early enough and just commit to a poach early in a doubles match because i'm like look if i'm if i mess it up well the person returning and the other person's like whoa he's moving and they tend to think about me so i think that's really crucial to think about what your opponents are thinking they're they're how they're going to play and then kind of set yourself in the middle of that tactic it's so hard for me to do just so we're make the poach yeah like for yeah. me to like go I, it is for most players okay i'm going yeah just make the decision and just right commit and be to like it. well and and especially in a tie break mode like yeah. you're you're very confident in your volleys and your poaching I, I am not as confident in mine and so some of you might relate more to to what i'm saying right now is that if you, you can still try to go for it but the goal is is that you don't have to go running to the other side and be, the be hero. yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can, if you know, let if you you don't have to poach on the first couple if you really don't feel confident in it in a tiebreak. Yes, I think it's awesome to do it, but like me, I mean, although I would love to to coach people to do that, go for it, be the exception, but I 100% know my personality is not going to probably do that. I think that's kind of funny though in the sense that I totally agree with Megan. You don't have to be the hero, but I think like you say, I'm confident with my volleys. I consider myself a decent volleyer not a a like i feel super always comfortable but i think one thing is when you do sometimes make that move in a strategic time it's just strategic sense it makes people see you differently and so a lot it of times sends, it sends a message it sends a message oh, sure and so a lot does, of times yeah. are like oh dude you're all over that you're so you know it's like i'm just running with the rack in front of me <laughs> and like making sure that i keep it really yeah literally right. yeah and so they're like oh he's everywhere and it's like yeah just keep thinking that because just don't hit me the ball and a lot yeah so it's kind of it sets a, a certain tone when you 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 do that and it's something about learning how to practice moving to the ball keeping the racket in front of you and just like going and committing um and like i said it's not do you have to do it all the time but it's strategically committing because deep down honestly i would love to let the ball go cross court um and i would love to maybe like not have to hit balls but i think sometimes when i'm Maybe I'm a little over aggressive. People look at me and like, okay, keep the ball away from Kevin. I'm like, ooh, 
I don't have to have as many volleys. It's like I've set the tone. So I totally agree with you in a sense. You don't have to do that if that's not your personality. But I also think that's a great opportunity where a lot of the mindset of when you start off even the match in doubles, everybody's just thinking, okay, okay, I'm nervous. I don't want to screw anything up. Just get, get the ball cross court, make the opponent hit the shot. And you can't believe the amount of pressure when they see someone come off and poach that very first ball. They go, oh my God, I, 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 what do I do next time? Do I go down the line? And that just like chain reaction of events, at least that I like to see and pe- people I play. I think you have to know your, your opponents and you have to know which side of the spectrum they tend oh, totally. to lean towards. In the, in the case of an opponent who is like, oh man, I don't, I want to be careful here. I don't want to blow it. That's like, for me, I, I see like green light, like perfect opportunity. If I know their, their, their personality is to play it safe. But if they're the type of person who they see the poach and their first re- response internally is like, okay, mother effer, like, let's go. Like, and they just try to burn you, then that can backfire. Um, yeah, that's the... And I think that's why, also, I think yeah. that's why it's so like, situation. When you back them into a corner, there's certain players yeah. that just, like, go winner city. But that's why I think that's so important that you do it early. Because if they do go winner sure, city sure. on... And I, again, like I'm saying, I'm not, you don't do this every point. It's to set the tone. And so if you do it in the first or second point, especially... A, I breaker, would do, a breaker or a match? Especially a match. A breaker, I would do it probably on the first point. Here's the reason why. A match, you have a, a, a long, you have an entire set to kind of like, mm-hmm. things are going to happen. A breaker, it sets a nice tone. i probably do it on the first point. I might do it on the second point if, let's say, we won the first point. If we're down 1-0, I pro, I'm going to be really strategic about that. But again, if I back them into a corner, they hit a, if they hit a great shot, I'm okay with it. Your partner needs to be okay with that too. Yeah, That's the other kicker. I, I Cause totally you can't agree. have like a partner who's like, uh, dude, that ball uh, was 9,000 feet on my side of the court. Like, why would you put, you know, I think you talk to your partner about, I think you do communicate like, Hey, look, I'm going on the very first ball. Be ready. That's what I'm getting. Yeah. I wouldn't just like, I'm just going to go right across. Yeah. Just go, go, Kevin, go. But I've had some people too. Like I used to coach this one girl who, Every single time. And as much as I told her not to do this, she just literally did it every single time. Uh, but the tie break in the tie break and doubles, she would hit the first return at the net person, a hundred million miles per hour. Every single time. Sometimes it worked. Sometimes it backfired. And that was her strategy. And so it's kind of like yours. Like sometimes it works. Sometimes it could backfire. You know, like there's a, you have to know it's your a calculated pers- risk. Yeah, it's right, calculated right. risk. You have to know your personality and, and like their, and their personality. I think right. it's important too. Well, and she definitely did. And it was like a end all be all like every single first oh return that like, she hit. Well, <laughs> yeah. Went a hundred miles per hour at the person at the net. And, yeah. um, and sometimes, you know, sometimes, like the people would back off and be like, oh, okay, 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 I'm done. But then sometimes it was like, oh, you want to go? I'll hit you next time, and then you're in trouble. So, um, so Samuel Jackson, like, yeah, it's like the, the voice <laughs> I'm picturing in my head, like, yeah, it's like from uh, you, Pulp Fiction. Yeah, yeah, it's like, do you really want to yeah, go there? You want to mess with yeah. me right now? <laughs> so I do think that that's partly uh, personality. Like that's just. It's a hundred percent not my personality. Ironically enough, I have a much bigger um, talk than I actually do, um, and so I, in a pressure situation, I a hundred percent wouldn't probably <laughs> do either because I err on the side of 
Like, I don't want to be the one that's losing the point. And that's not necessarily the best doubles tactic I'm letting you know, but it's just my personality. personality. I think it's important to know your personality. I would say, yeah. Um, Yeah, and my personality, and judging from whoever's personality, is like, do I, like, when I come down to either a singles match or a doubles match, I want to be like, did I let opportunities go by? Did I just let it happen or did I try to influence? And so that's where kind of my person, I always want to be the person who's doing the best to influence and not be the person being, uh, being kind of having the influence being played upon. And so that's where probably it's gotten me into trouble sometimes, but it's also gotten to me a lot of times where we just take over the net. We just, especially early. And, and, and so, yeah, it just depends on your person. And especially if you're playing doubles, you got to know your partner. Cause if you have a partner who's also equally as kind of gun ho as you, like, I feel like if I was playing with Ian and I crossed and he knew it and we were both like crushing that, he'd be like, okay, come on. And it just like, yeah, yeah. he's, yeah, he's already like, yeah. And I, I would totally expect him to do the exact same thing. If I'm playing with a person who's kind of like, like oh, timid and I'd have to have a really com- cool conversation. It's almost like, like you can intimidate your partner sometimes. Yeah, you can intimidate them. and But it's like also talking with your partner and finding out where their comfort zone is. Because a lot of people that maybe sometimes are intimidated by that. They like a, people that are going to yeah, be. There's a sense of comfort like, you mean I don't have to do it? Yeah, I just I'd, have to set I'd you up? I'd much rather have Kevin on my side of the court going <laughs> after balls. I will never be like, nah, you don't go for that much. I just wouldn't. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm okay with my partner doing it. Just I know my personality. And so that's, I think to, that's important because then if I have like Megan up in net and I'm at the baseline, I know where she's kind of like where what she's going to do. And then I know like, okay, look, when I get an opportunity, I need to go up there with her and, and be that partner. So it's like, I think it's, again, so many things coming back to knowing yourself, knowing your partner, knowing your opponents, you know, are they going to back down or are they going to step up? I think personally, if they're the type of opponents that are going to step up, they're going to step up anyway. So it's like, you're not kind of by not being aggressive, avoiding them not stepping up. They're just that type of person, like like me, I, if you hit a ball at me, oh, of course, I'm going to come right back at you and with something. But if you didn't hit a ball at me, I'm going to come back at you. So it's like, I think on the sense of like going after somebody because and being afraid that they're going to raise their game, that person is probably going to raise their game regardless because of the situation. I think there's there's just a fine line between yeah. raising your game and going into hero mode and being like, all right, I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna be the one that like dominates you. I'm gonna be the alpha, and it's like it, it keeps like going one up, one up, yeah, one up. Yeah. Until I totally think that. And I like, have a really hard like I either am like winner city or <laughs> air city when I'm in like that mode, and <laughs> so I know like my personality when under pressure, I have to go the other side because I just end up uh, now granted sometimes it works for my advantage on those five days out of my <laughs> lifetime that i can't miss <laughs> then <laughs> those days let's just talk i mean you how have amazing. one of those like where she we were playing the single yeah and she had an inside out running inside out falling that. off bald yeah i remember all, that. like you were in the doubles alley i was you out, yeah. inside out on inside the like in. line you need to get james to just Put aside the raw footage from, the, from that shame. Right? Like just, you were just so like, you can save it someplace. I was on. It was it was amazing. It's like that. It's those times where you just go out and you can't miss. Ah, there's just those Special. are the greatest days I wanted to, ever. I wanted to find hero mode because I think make sure people understand at least for mm-hmm. me. Hero mode is being reckless and not 
communicating with your partner and like literally I've seen it like in sometimes pro-ams where you have this pro who's like literally shoving their yeah. partner mm. off the court or taking a ball away from their, their, their partner. I don't think that is what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is being aggressive when the opportunity presents itself to, to, to put more pressure on because you're in a good position. I would never want to like push my partner off the court because I think the other side is when you're a hero, yeah, you're the hero, but your partner doesn't feel like the hero. I want to make my partner feel like, like, dude, this is awesome to play with you uh, because I'm setting you up. You helped me out there. You took this ball. But, and I think there's that, that line you have to be careful about when you're going after shots that you're going after the right shots. You've communicated with your partner and you're working together. So you're both being aggressive or you're both kind of like, like playing the way you want to play. Like if, if I'm playing with Ian, there's no need to like cut off a ball or something. If maybe I'm playing with Megan and you were in a pressure situation, I know it's just like, look, I'm going to hit solid cross courts. I want you to go in when the time is right and finish it off. And I think that in both situations, you have to understand that with your partner, uh, compared to the hero mode. Like if I'm playing with Ian and he's aggressive, I'm like, dude, why am I jumping in front of him when he's already trying to be aggressive? I think that's a really, really crucial distinction that you want to be heroes together and not like be this isolated, like, like be heroes together, be heroes together. Um, <laughs> isolated person who's just like basically doing rampage like at the on the end court. of the Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah, exactly. Like the, yeah. The, the moral of the story. The moral of the story, yeah. kids. <laughs> Dare to stay after us. We can be, all be heroes. Be heroes, <laughs> be heroes <laughs> together. <laughs> all right. I think we're in a pretty good spot there. Any final uh, thoughts on tiebreaker success? We've gone over tactics and strategy, shot selection, mental toughness. And attitude and mindset and perspective. I think it's understanding your tendencies, number one, and then understanding, like finding what works for you under pressure. Being able to handle pressure is huge for tie breaks. Um, and I think it can make or break a tie break really, really easily. Like bing, just win all the points. Yes, just win all the points. I think mentally, like Megan said, <laughs> learning to kind of compartmentalize each point and not getting so caught up, not getting emotionally caught up into one point where you win or lose it is really key. Not only to the match, but especially to a tiebreaker. Tactically, I think it's going with what works. I mean, just playing out. Like if you're playing a tiebreaker for singles or doubles. It's finding out those key patterns because obviously if you got to a tiebreaker, you did something that was working at some time, go to the well, find out, do those things that are working um, consistently and at the highest quality you can and be okay that if they play really great tennis and you did the right things and you lose, that it's okay. All right. We'll leave it there for today. Thanks for listening, everybody. Make sure to subscribe everywhere. I'd really love just win all the points. Yeah, I'd really love to hear from the people that are still listening right now. Um, what your one thing that you think about in a tiebreak is most important thing. Yeah, like you are entering into a tiebreak right now. What is the one Don't thing? It. It should be that like a radio show where we have people call, call in. We could yeah. totally do that. I know. Like caller number nine. What do you think? You're the winner of the day. But I just think it'd be interesting to hear like what what are you, what do you think of right before you go into a tie break right as you're entering the tie break? We should do a call in episode. I know it should be like old we school. Q and A, like, yeah, Q and like A talk show radio. 
I'm driving to work right now and I heard you on the radio and I'm so happy I got in. So like what I think is, see, you guys are totally into it. That's going to be a future. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. Hopefully this was helpful. And as always, if you have any topics or questions, any sticking points or uh, dramatic topics that you'd like us to be civilly (laughs) talk about aggressive, make sure to let us know at support at essentialtennis.com. Thanks very much. We'll talk to you next time. Take care.